You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Hello and welcome to Radio Primavera Sounds, the weekly review, a radio show from Barcelona in Spain, hosted by two grown dads who try to make sense of a world in disarray by keeping up with pop culture with the help of a bright young mind. My name's Johan Wald. I'm Ben Conti. And our beacon of light, hope and internet wisdom is Mar Viverdu. Hi, Mar. Hello. Uh, ben and I, you, we used to spend a lot of time in our youth uh, digging for the best trends in alternative music culture, subversive avant-garde cinema, underground literature. Uh, it kind of defined a lot of who we were. But life moves on and we eventually became parents and now there's this thing called internet and it's full of wonderful, exciting things that capture our attention. But sometimes we struggle to understand the context the meaning behind gestures, the memes, these memes. Are we losing touch? Is this normal once you become a 40-something-year-old? Are we meant to spend time locked in a garage making draft beer and fawning over barbecue techniques? We say no. We want to take part in youthful culture because that's where the excitement lies. <laughs> generation after generation, that's where it's all happening. So, luckily, as I said, we have Mar who keeps us alert and we are many incredible cultural happenings over in Spain, uh, which we get to report on in our podcast. But we have been invited here as part of the Summer Stage program, uh, thanks to the Ramon Yu Institute from Catalonia, which uh, promotes Catalan culture all over the world. Uh, they've invited us here to talk about some of the talent that they have come, that they have brought here to represent Catalan culture. Uh, we're going to be talking about them, but we also have a very special guest with us here today. But first, let's listen to some music from from one of the artists who's going to be performing this very afternoon on the summer stage. Uh, this is Keralt Laos. Yes, just a snippet there. You'll be able to hear more of Keralt Laos' interesting fusion of flamenco and R&B. Ben, who do we have with us here today? We have none other than Quinn Morland, uh, a freelance journalist who's just, just, and I'm not saying we had anything to do with it, but, you know, maybe, made a New York Times debut, uh, also written... Uh, for Pitchfork for many years, New York Magazine, The Nation, um, and you grew up in a place called Pensacola, Florida. Is that, did I yes, pronounce that right? Yes, that I did. Uh, you did, you did pronounce it correctly. Hello. <laughs> Hi, um, I must say you are living the, the dream, at least from a Catalan girl to someone who lives in New York and works as a writer. How does that feel like? You are literally like from girls or sex in the city like do you have that feeling <laughs> sorry i'm getting over a sinus infection um i'm not uh i'm not uh so humbled by where i'm at that i am choking on that um yeah it does feel crazy i think uh in the way that you were we were talking earlier about watching television and and really wanting to be in new york that was definitely me and i feel I feel like I've accomplished some of those things, you know. What was your go-to like TV show that happened in New York? Because I walk around and all I can think is like, oh my God, this is when um, Serena and Blair had a fight and <laughs> this is where Hannah left Adam and this is where blah, blah, blah. Like all of this happens through my head when I walk <laughs> around this amazing city that I've here for the first time so it's still to me like shocking that we're doing this here so what was your go-to show that reminds you that you're living in literally new york 
Yeah, I think you need to you need to come back to have a real, you know, we have to do the the Sex and the City tour of Manhattan. Um, well, I live in Brooklyn, so I think probably Girls. I watched Girls in college, and then I actually recently watched it in full for the first time, like last year, and loved it and thought it really held up. Yeah, it uh, did super yeah. well. I have rewatched it too, and it's like, oh my god, I I'm I don't know if in America it's okay to say that, but I love Lena Dunham. Like she's great, and she her yeah. mind is so like past everyone's time like this the satire is really spot on in a way that was maybe uh too close to home at the time but <laughs> it is it is quite accurate <laughs> um to have something that i i can feel like i have um more than people living here because i feel like like people who live in new york are, are so superior to me because they live in new york and i don't but um <laughs> i saw on tiktok that um there's this trend um called the european girl summer so as someone who's from catalonia and we have the mar mediterrani um, i feel like yes i am we are the european girl summers like literally all year round because we are from europe and have um the sea and we have olive oil and have stuff like that but i feel like if you like are from new york and come to the summer states here today you have the both of the best things like which is like living in new york but at the same time kind of having the mediterranean experience because the shows that we will be um, seeing are like a hundred percent mediterranean and kind of have that feel of the european girl summer maybe you can in the state to check it out and feel it yourself too but yeah we were listening to Carol Laud a bit so you can do you, were you familiar with um them like uh i wasn't but i was listening to the playlist the the spotify playlist and then um i don't use spotify so i had to go search it out on a title <laughs> um and was listening to i guess it's a recent ep from mm -hmm. her yeah i really liked it shall we have a bit more because we're gonna we're gonna talk uh, the plan is we'll talk a bit about uh, Catalan music, we talk a bit about the artists playing, and then we're going to grill you about how to make it in New York, basically, <laughs> if, if that's okay. A bit more Caral? A we bit do? more Caral. Okay. So Keralt is a, an incredible example of what's happening right now in Catalan music. Uh, there's a really fresh scene of uh, young artists who are taking old uh, Mediterranean folk music, different traditions of even some medieval chanting, religious chanting. And obviously there's the, the eternal influence of flamenco in a lot of the music, especially grassroots flamenco, which Keralt kind of draws from because even though she's a Catalan artist, a lot of her family come from Andalusia, which is the southern region of Spain where most of the most celebrated flamenco came for. So just to give you a bit of a historical context, what happened in Catalonia is, uh, because it's always been kind of a, a, a bit of a wealthy region, uh, many f um, um, humble families from Andalusia would migrate to Catalonia to find work, and obviously they brought the flamenco traditions with them to Catalonia, and all of a sudden in Catalonia something very interesting happened was that a lot of the Catalan, wealthy Catalans who migrated to Cuba, 
picked up on the Cuban vibes, uh, Cuban music, and kind of invented a subgenre of flamenco called the rumba, which is also known as the Catalan rumba. It's much more rhythmic than flamenco. It's groovy. It's incredible to dance to. It's fast-paced. Uh, so you have a lot of these like subgenres of flamenco happening all the time in Catalonia. Uh, now to bring it back to Keraut Laoz, uh, she what she's done is she's once again fused a lot of the folkloric flamenco traditions with American 90s R&B, with a and she even sings some of her um, some or most of her lyrics in Catalan, and uh, it's an incredible formula. It's happening more before flamenco was kind of a serious genre to to, to be taken seriously, just like jazz, for instance. So flamenco would be something that you would enjoy in prestigious music halls, theaters, auditoriums. Uh, it was a little bit distanced from the, the the core essence of flamenco when you'd go to Granada to visit some of the caves where the gypsy families lived and sometimes they'd have those impromptu concerts that would last all night. Those are harder to see and witness. I mean, there are tourist programs where you can get to pay to get to see it, but mostly flamenco became over the years a very respectable musical genre that is played all over the world. You have people, you had legendary artists like Camarón de la Isla, uh, Paco de Lucia, Lola Flores, they'd come to New York and perform at the Garden or the Apollo Theater. But thanks to artists like Gerard Lajos, all of a sudden they're making it hip again and you're seeing it in young music festivals, in younger circuits, and even the online presence of flamenco is being associated to sort of youthful trends in a way that didn't happen for many years. And obviously, I don't know if you're familiar with someone like Rosalia. She's become our most uh, famous international global superstar and she's turned her fusion of modern electronics and um, modern fusions with a flamenco, a traditional flamenco bass, she's made it her, her, well, her phenomenon. But what I was going to say is that um, what I quite like about the fact that uh, there are people out there that just copied Rosalia, um, we've all heard them, but like, there's also people who take what she does and kind of do it slightly differently. I mean, obviously Caral does it slightly differently, but you get people like um, Tata Elena, mm. a band I talk about a lot who um, they kind of fuse different kinds of traditional um, Spanish and Catalan and Greek and Georgian and all kinds of folk music. Even sort of old languages like um, uh, Phoenician. I think they have a song in, Phen in the Phoenician <laughs> language. I think what's cool and interesting is that Rosalia, what she did, she opened the path to maybe people in the US or other places um, to be open to listening to Spanish music other than reggaeton, even though Rosalia now does quite a bit of reggaeton, they're also open to, to listen stuff like maybe Marala, who has nothing to do with Rosalia, but thanks to her, maybe they, people will get um, to listen to them, or Caral Laoz, or like we were saying. Like I think that's the most interesting part. Like They now have this path. It's not like something as closed as it felt before. Like It's available, and, and people are willing to listen to it. And also, like, it, it's kind of good because it's not like, um, it's kind of Spain's own thing, right? You know, it's like very much, because I've, I've lived in, in Catalonia since 2011, and, you know, I'm always trying to find local music that I like. And for many years, I didn't find that all that many, all that many things, to be honest. But then like, it seems like the recent years has been like mm -hmm. a, a real kind of explosion in, in, these, in these kind of things, kind of post-Rosalia, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, 
Sorry. No, go on. Because well, it's not just Rosalia. Uh, the, the, the incredible thing about Catalonia is that we have an, a very healthy infrastructure of uh, spaces for, arti for young artists to emerge and play, not just inside club circuits and stuff. There's many festivals. Every, there's so many cultural organizations, even not just in Barcelona, like every sort of uh, smaller city of Catalonia has like very, very healthy, uh, very well-funded uh, creative, um, uh, sorry, cultural organizations that can invite new talent, just like uh, Instituto Ramon Yui is doing here today, bringing people like Geralda Oz, Marala, Lia Kali, and DJ Trapella, who are going to all be performing this afternoon. So this has always created, uh, given young people uh, so many chances to, hey, I can make a musical project, and I'm going to have at least five places to play to get people to listen to what I'm doing and figuring out how to become a live performer. Obviously, we, our radio station, which we uh, do our podcast on, belongs to the Primavera Sound Festival, which is uh, still considered one of the, the top five, uh, one of the top five international festivals, along with Glastonbury in the UK, Coachella here in the US, Roskilde in Denmark. You know, uh, in Barcelona, we're not only Primavera Sound, you also have Sonar, which is a very prestigious music for uh, festival for avant-garde music and uh, electronic arts so that having two major festivals in a city like Barcelona that has always fed the, the creative muscle of, of young artists but you know what I find incredible it's like a, a group like uh, Maria Arnal and Marcel Bages um, I really like them they're this, this kind of group that does a similar kind of thing in that they take kind of old old sounds and their first album was like quite flamenco but their second was just all over the place in a really really good way and they work with Tito Elena anyway they play so many festivals in Catalonia. It's incredible. Like all these festivals I've never heard of, but you know, you go to like some sort of town, uh, I don't know, seaside town up on the coast, and it's like they got their own festival. And yep. like they, I'm, I think they make quite a good living out of. I mean, they do play internationally as well, but like this is, works out really well for them. Yeah. But Quinn, I wanted to ask. So, obviously, we 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 three live in Barcelona. You live in New York. Um, of the names we're putting out. Who's, who's familiar to you? What would you say like Spanish Catalan music is for you? Um, I think perhaps as much as I love her, unfortunately, Rosalia is definitely kind of the big name. I mean, I, I vividly remember when, uh, when I was working at Pitchfork and we decided to do a small feature on her by uh, the writer Philip Sherburn, mm. who is, uh, I guess, somewhat local. Menorca, yeah. Yeah, so that was, you know, conveniently we had a writer who lived close by that he could actually go and speak to her in person. And uh, I think, like, that was a really big deal. The, the whole staff really, really liked her music and it felt like this, like, um, it felt like a discovery for the staff in a way that also revealed there's a huge blind spot that, like, we didn't actually know a lot about the world of Catalan music and we certainly were not covering it. So in the way that you're saying like she has opened the door for a lot of uh, like genre fusions and young artists, I think I think the success of Rosalia has definitely made American music critics have to kick it into gear a bit. 
And another thing that you might not perceive over here in the United States is, uh, as I said before, flamenco is a very, very respected music genre, and it's almost a bit stiff and serious. So Rosalia faced a little bit of backlash uh, when, when you know, because her first album was kind of purist in its flamenco form, but her second album, El Mal Carrer, which was her international breakthrough, that's when she started experimenting with electronic rhythms. So a lot of the um, uh, flamenco experts and uh, critics started. Uh, being, you know, very negative in in her approach, they're like, "What is this? You know, you're." It's kind of like what Bob Dylan did uh, faced when he went electric, or I don't know. I'm trying to think of another ex historical example of when someone dared to, you know, um, cross the streams in, uh, in in styles and stuff, and all of a sudden it's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, you're, you're don't 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 mess don't mess with the form. You know, we have to respect this old tradition." So she had incredible backlash but at the same time she had so many people who were uh, enthusiastic for her that people were arguing for months on Facebook on social media like for Rosalia against Rosalia and this was wonderful for her to watch because that made her legend grow and grow and grow there's nothing like bad press or, or, or too much criticism and uh, now even like the haters have accepted her and it's like okay yeah yeah you guys were right this this really is something special and uh, especially when you see her performing in Coachella or you know in in world stages and seeing the audiences that she pulled and stuff and singing in Spanish and uh, defending her local culture and always saying, you know, I'm from Barcelona, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, all of a sudden there's a sense of pr uh, national pride now with Rosalia. She still has haters, you know, there's always gonna be, when you're at the top, you're always gonna have a few of those uh, rotten apples who are, who are not happy to see you there. But uh, she, you know, she brushes them off. Uh, I like that, uh, Ben, sorry, if no, you want Yeah, I, I like that this debate doesn't happen anymore, like, I. When I listen to Marala, for example, that they're playing later, um, they do like their own thing, and there's like a root, a tradition that could be like, just like you said, people would could say like, oh, I don't like that they're doing this new thing or whatever. But they, it's just like, how incredible is that these sounds that maybe you share with your grandma and stuff like you listen to them now and it's played by these three amazing girls and um, that like you relate to because maybe they're dressed like you or they have like stuff in common like you and then they're singing this stuff that like relates to your roots in a way that maybe you were like um, if it was to happen like 10 years ago it would be like oh my god mom this is so old like uh, i want to listen to like i don't know david Guetta, and that's it it's like no i, I really enjoy like listening to marala if ben you can put a, a little bit of marala maybe it Oof. will okay. you can understand what i mean with this like roots that that really resonate with mm. mediterranean culture Dissimula. Amazing, they're so good, and I think they're... What, what I wanted to ask you, because I was wondering this when I, um, we were preparing the show, and, and I was thinking, like, my God, for example, Marala, they, they are so good, and I, I will... Like, there's a part of me that thinks they have to be, like, super big, people have to discover them, but at the same time, I think there's a charm when there's music that keeps being niche forever and is really respected and and loved by a very niche group of people and doesn't maybe cross the mainstream, but that doesn't mean that it's not loved or respected, but it stays in this niche um, where people um, like really, that are really into music maybe um, only discover, but they really appreciate it. Do you think this is the case or 
like maybe it will break through the mainstream and then we will see them everywhere. <clears throat> I feel like, uh, you know, having a show at Summer Stage certainly will only help. Oh, sorry for my croak. <laughs> <clears throat> we also have a caterpillar. Oh. I love it. We, we have a caterpillar. We had a squirrel having a siesta for a moment uh, above one of the rafters. It's a lot of nature, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, but I get what you're saying, though, about, um, you know, I guess the, the popular term is uh, is gatekeeping. You kind of want to be <laughs> like, uh, no, don't don't get successful. But I mean, then I don't know. I guess then at the same time, you're like, it's so tough to it's so tough to find any success in music or to get your music heard that it's like, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you can still get tickets to their shows, yeah. they're not that big. <laughs> Taylor but, Swift big. <laughs> but so this is something I think that um, Catalan artists could learn from, I think, like, is that people are a lot more, I don't know if you agree, Quinn, that people are a lot more interested in their own individual things. So they'll get like a lot more, like for me, maybe it's just me, but I'm really interested if someone says like, I fuse like Mallorca, Mallorcan sounds, um, I think of Julia Colom, who I really like, or I fuse like these old Georgian sounds like Tata Elena. Like, I think people, would you agree people are really, interested in new and different things. They kind of don't want you to follow what someone else is doing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think right now there's a really big, uh, there's a really big scene or like outcrop of young bands who are fusing like very classic, like shoegaze type guitars with um, more like American country sounds like pedal steel and stuff. And like, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, when you guys were talking about Catalan music mixing so many different influences that maybe when you're, you were, if this had happened when you were younger, you'd be like, oh, how uncool. Like, that's my parents' music. I feel like there has been a lot of, like, really cool experimental jazz music that, especially in New York, that is really, um, it certainly opened my eyes to things that maybe I would have been like, eh, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> well, as, as, as music enthusiasts and, and journalists, we've always looked to New York as the beacon of light. You know, you've given us hip hop, you've given us uh, the punk movement in the late 70s. Uh, you've given us so much. And uh, even recently, um, you had the, the, the what they called the New York rock re revolution that started with the Strokes post 9-11 and carried out all until 2011. It was well documented in Lizzie Goodman's book, Meet Me in the Bathroom. And I remember her book, illustrates how much that musical scene became such a global phenomenon. Uh, we have to thank the, the festival business circuit for, because the, the, all those bands and so many of them that came out of New York made these things uh, become exciting uh, annual things to go to. And not only that, even the influence of like Williamsburg culture and uh, 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 young entrepreneurs like making a, a specialty coffee, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Lizzie managed to find a trace. It's like all this was happening, like young people started becoming successful in Brooklyn, uh, not just in, in bands, but in other creative outlets. Is t uh, t New York in 2023 still reflective of that incredible scene? Or is it in a, in a moment where, is there something bubbling under the surface? That's my question. Well, actually like yesterday, um, I saw a tweet from this musician, Greg Fox, who I believe plays in the band Liturgy. Mm -hmm. um, they're like a, a metal band. Yeah. And the tweet was about how, you know, New York is so expensive now that he keeps hearing about musicians who have to leave the city because they can't afford to be here. And I think one of the big things that really did define that time was the kind of post 9-11, like Brooklyn, 
my boyfriend grew up in Manhattan and he was he was a little too young during that time period but even in like 2009 he was like I just didn't really go to Brooklyn whereas now I feel like you know I mean I live in Brooklyn yeah. <laughs> like going to Brooklyn is not this uh trek that it once was I guess um I think there's been a lot of noise in New York recently, uh, noise as a term and also musical noise, um, about the so-called like indie sleaze revival. I know some people who are like lumped into that and they really hate that term. Uh, uh. <laughs> so apologies for using it. But um, I think that kind of is a really interesting moment, whether you like the music or not, because it did kind of emerge. Well, one, a lot of the actual like aesthetic influence is directly related to that scene that you're describing, like the strokes, this kind of more like, uh, what's, what's the word? Like party, party friendly, like just having fun, getting people to shows, like just being offline. Um, but I think that what's interesting to me about that is that that scene kind of really developed in the like first post-COVID, post-COVID uh, summer, like 20, summer 2020, 2021, where their venues were not necessarily open. So these people were really connecting on a community level and like playing shows and like Chinatown restaurants and just kind of wherever they could like get a spot. And now, you know, you have people like the Dare who've signed to Republic. So like clearly, they made an impact, but I think what's interesting is then seeing how to bring... It does this very New York-centric uh, sound translate. Have you, have you guys heard of any of the, this? <laughs> yeah, the one, the one song, the uh, sort of yeah, controversial yeah. song, yes. yes. Where do you stand on that? Um, I have to plead the fifth because uh, the person behind that song is a, is a friend of mine, but... Uh, <laughs> It's not necessarily for me. <laughs> what song are we talking about? Uh, Girls by the Dare, I assume. Oh, yes, yeah, this yeah. kind of electro pop kind of guy who's re revamping that party thing, like the misshapes kind of yeah. atmosphere, right? Yeah. I've, I've read, I've read, I've read the article. Yeah, and you know, I actually went to one of his. He has a, a DJ night at this bar called Home Sweet Home on the Lower East Side, which actually might be a good place. It's very close to where I was telling you about. Oh. Um, and. I only stayed very briefly and I actually missed his set, but there were like a ton of, of young people there in a way that made me feel quite <laughs> like, oh gosh, <laughs> um, these kids are all in college. But it was like really cool to see that because I mean, I don't really go out to a lot of clubs. So it was cool to see that that there is an audience for that and there is a home for it. Yeah. Well, he is playing the Primavera Weekender. There's an event uh, called The Weekender that I thoroughly recommend to you. Um, it, it, it takes place in a uh, Robin Hood themed park, basically. Summer camp. And uh, yeah, he's playing. He's playing alongside Jesus Mary Chain. You should bring him on the podcast. He's a delight. <laughs> we will. We will. Definitely. Whoa, yeah. If there's a bit of controversy, we'll... Uh, and, and, and J.D., was, I, I pronounced their name wrong. J.D. Becky, is it? And the, oh. the jazz virtuous duo. Oh, yeah. Dommy and Dommy and Jay Beck, JD Beck. See, this is ever since I became a parent, I no longer remember bands' names. Before I would like get so angry at a presenter if they didn't say the name of a band. Right? It's like, ah, you don't know your job, man. You know, it's the Velvet Underground, not the Velvet Carpet Above Ground. How dare you? And now I'm the yeah, I'm the one making the mistakes. Another thing I'm interested in focusing on, like the legacy of like when when it happens in New York, it ends up happening in the rest of the world. I remember 
DJ Tony Touch, who's a legendary New York uh, hip-hop DJ. He came to play Madrid in 2000, mid-2000s. And he was playing hip-hop and stuff, and he's like, he's, he dropped uh, Papi Chulo, the Lorna song, a, reggaet, a reggaeton anthem. And he got booed by the Spanish audience, because they were like, what are you doing? This is like, no, 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 the, the Spain was not down with reggaeton yet. Now, reggaeton is the major pop music amongst young people in general, like that is the new pop music. Bad Bunny, as you can see, look at his streaming numbers. They're just like through the roof. Uh, J Balvin, uh, uh, Rosalia even, uh, Raul Alejandro, like the reggaeton stars are the new global superstars in music. They're even more than hip hop stars. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, Kendrick Lamar is still incredibly popular and, and, and Drake and what have you, but, but they're, they're closely followed by reggaeton. New York has always had an, ex an incredible uh, Puerto Rican uh, community. A, lo a lot of the reggaeton came from Puerto Rico, from DJ Playero's sets and stuff. How, how present is the reggaeton in New York City? Like, is it really happening on the streets? Is it connecting with young people the way we see it on TV? Because I don't know if reality is a reflection of what we see in the media. I'm probably the wrong person to speak on this. I honestly, like, I don't really know. Um, I know Puerto Rican pride is a very big deal here. And recently, um, the jazz collective, the experimental jazz collective standing on the corner had a, um, they had an, I guess what you could best describe it as like a acupuncture clinic health pop-up at like a performance space here. And I feel like they are really like waving that flag hard. It was very, um, it mixed that the room that they had the, the space in was like decked out in Puerto Rican flags and um, Puerto Rican history. I think, I'm trying to remember with, if Bad Bunny played more than one night, I feel like he must have sold out several nights at, at Madison Square Garden when yeah. he played here. I think there's a real hunger for that. And I don't know if it's necessarily happening on the streets. I'm sure it is. I'm sure I just am ignorant. <laughs> but uh, I think like, I mean, what? He's supposedly dating Kendall Jenner. Like <laughs> it's such a cultural force that it's like, it's. I think it's just beyond even yeah. like that. But you know, cause in, the, in the same way that in, sorry, Ben. The, uh, that indie music in the in the in the the, the 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 2010s was kind of the sound of college, no? Like most most college parties and stuff. It was or the the this this dare guy, you know. It's a, it's it's kind of that sound of like what youth in New York listen to. I'm wondering, you know, how how close reggaeton is with with that part of the population. But um, but yeah. I guess. Well, you know, I thought this is a good opportunity to talk about the third act, who's going to be playing. Should we listen to a little bit of uh, Leah Kali? Please. I'm wondering, is it her who's <laughs> yeah, doing the sound check? Where is listening <laughs> double, Leah? Um, but I love that she's playing today as well because, as we talked, um, Caral and, and Marala both don't bring from the same inspiration, but kind of could be explained in, in the same way uh, like Johan did before. But um, Leah also like demonstrates that. Catalan music or being from Catalonia doesn't mean you have to do like this traditional thing only. Like you can do a sound that's more like rappy, hip hoppy, um, 
even reggaeton if you want to like it's not just like oh catalan music is a genre like it's not a genre it's like people from catalonia do things and <laughs> some of them include like traditional music but uh, there's a lot more like if you are willing to like discover new artists the i most definitely there will be someone that's interesting and that maybe will allow you to be like this kind of person that's like oh yeah i listen to <laughs> to these artists that no one knows and stuff <laughs> like but if like there's a lot of product coming like from catalonia and i and i really like that she's also playing today like to to sh demonstrate that there's such different sounds and and it, there's like like ben said that maybe a few years ago it was not that vibrant um, and now there's a scene that's being like born and has like a lot of energy and i love that we get the chance to play in central park like this mm. is mind-blowing but and to 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 showcase like what is happening because there is something happening for sure i wanted there's a question i wanted to ask earlier which i found quite interesting is why do we think like people are more interested in the music of the generations gone before in catalonia like why why is it happening i mean i'm sort of coming at this from like a British are well British perspective and it's like we don't I mean nobody really listens to like old English folk music very much nobody I mean not nobody but few people pay attention to that kind of thing why is it happening Catalonia why do I you think, think we have a lot of conscious of the possibility of things dying and and being forgotten and and that we have like the power to maybe stop this from happening and it, and it is a power and and i love that it's being used like um yes it, it like from recontextualized history. Yeah. No? yeah exactly and yeah not forgetting stuff I mean, obviously, this has been said a, long, a lot of times about the, the generations that are growing up with internet. You know, back when, at least when Ben and I were teenagers, we had, if you wanted to listen to something, you had to buy a CD or get some uh, record a cassette from someone who'd bought the CD and stuff. And now you, you have all this in unlimited access to music of every decade on your Spotify's or titles or whatever, that all of a sudden these little phenomenons happen. All of a sudden, uh, like a Joan Manuel Serrat song will become like a, a, a thing on TikTok because someone will use it to soundtrack their reels of, you know, their feet getting uh, wet on the shores of the Catalan coast, you know, and it's like, oh, summer vibe, Mediterraneo. There, European John girl summer. European girl summer. You know, you'll, you'll make it a, a, what do you call it? A meme? Or a... Johan, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're not that old. Come I'm on, not, you know I'm what a meme is. I'm, I'm <laughs> what do you call it? A meme? A meme, a, a, a real... Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> so so it's interesting, it, and it's amazing how a lot of these artists. Well, we saw it with the Kate Bush thing, with running up that hill, how it got um, co-signed for the Stranger Things last season. You know how all of a sudden she's thrilled to be receiving millions of dollars in royalty checks from this incredibly popular co-sign co of this song, and it happens on this level. All of a sudden, like younger generations make a thing out of like a genre that it was like but this is the music that my grandparents listen to why why is this hip again you know and and didn't bad bad bunny brought out uh some people on stage at coachella which i thought was really amazing like i don't i don't remember who but people who had influenced him and who he said you know i have this huge moment of spotlight i need to pay it back to he did a very cool thing when he played 
if it wasn't the Super Bowl, it, it might have been his Grammy, his Grammy one of his Grammy performances, where he brought this all-female group of. Uh, they played a, a style of music which right now I'm stuck to find the exact word for, but it's a traditional kind of uh, um, a different music genre, also typical from Puerto Rico, and they're they're this group that usually plays weddings and stuff. They're very popular in Puerto Rico, like a local phenomenon, but they don't even have like a commercial record uh, 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 career. They, they, they just play events and stuff, and they get dressed in their incredible sort of outfits and stuff. So he brought them on, and, and, and that was like an incredible moment of like, you know, celebrating like a niche moment of Puerto Rican music in this incredibly global stage, which was the Grammy performance. And he keeps doing that. You know, he's, he's using his platform in a very savvy way. So because our time is slightly limited, uh, I've got a plan. So, Quinn, one of the reasons we brought you here is because we want to know how to make it in the USA, right? <laughs> we got like three brilliant kind of Catalan acts playing, and we reckon you're the person that knows it. But firstly, I'm going to even launch, uh, launch the question. When I was young, younger, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the idea was you had to go and break America, right? Everyone wanted to go and break America. That was, you know, any band worth their salt did. Does that, do you think that's still important today? Breaking America, breaking New York? You know, that's a really good question because I, I certainly do agree that that was a really big deal. And, you know, there are certain bands who were more successful here than they were in their home countries. I can't think of who at the moment, but I know that to be true. Bush. Kate Bush? No, Bush. Oh, like... You you remember Bush? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I the do. 90s post-grunge band Bush with yeah. the British singer, yeah, yeah. Gavin Rossdale. No, they, they were British. They were British. I actually didn't know they were British. I just uh, know Gavin Rossdale as Gwen Stefani's ex-husband. Yeah. Ex? They divorced? Yeah, she's <laughs> no. with uh, a country singer now. I forget who. I, I don't remember. Um, yeah, I think, well, I think that there, I mean, there's a whole other conversation to be had about the British music press and the American music press and what the strange differences are. But, I mean, the U.S. is a really big place, and I think if you can break into that market, there's a lot of different places to play, mm. um, which I imagine would be very important. I mean, I feel like a band like, like Black Midi has kind of done, I think they actually played Summer Stage last year, maybe, uh, I think they've done a really good job of breaking into the U.S. I don't know if they're as popular in Europe. It sounds. It seems like they are popular. Oh, yeah, hundred yeah. 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 percent. So, all right. Well, how how can we do it? Like, what would be? What, what's the kind of message that? I mean, I'm sure you get a thousand and one pitches a day. What's the kind of strong message to get you to listen to something, or to even open that email? I feel like um, something that's really important for me as like a listener and as an, a showgoer and something that I think is really important to having a successful career is to have like a musical community supporting behind you, I guess, uh, to not maybe necessarily come just emerge from thin air of like, I mean, it's certainly cool when someone is like, I was just doing this on my computer in my bedroom and I've never left my house, nor have I played a show. But I think, um, I think personally it kind of helps when there is like a uh, a connection in the way that it seems like a lot of the, the artists that are playing today, they are part of a larger scene. And so there's a little bit, you can like dive in, you know, or maybe if that artist isn't the one that's your entry point, maybe there's another one. Um, and I think that's really important. I think that's really hard to find in New York, but I think that is 
that tends to be um, the artists I've covered that are from New York tend to have really rich communities yeah. and they tend to be very collaborative amongst themselves in a way that I think is really fruitful yeah. and uh, is something something worth chasing I suppose or you know I guess you can't really force it but <laughs> but I remember reading an article and it might have been on the cut which is kind of our sacred bible in the weekly review <laughs> uh, uh, which was or it might have been the New York Times that they said that it was it was a more strategic move to get a um, uh, Instagram post by Kendall Jenner or one of the Kardashians like saying that they love your music than the old school way of having like you know certain magazines doing a profile piece on you like a rolling stone interview or cover and stuff it's like you can get more you can reach more people through yeah, just I, one person's instagram yeah but it's not kind of quite superficial you know like surely if you get like if there's a really interesting story behind a group you're going to want to listen to them more it's like mm. you know and you might give them more of a chance no rather like, than like a, a summer hit no i think when you said like when rosalia there was that first Pitchfork interview, I remember that, and it kind of, it opened the door in in the kind of Pitchfork offices, like that this kind of thing could come through. Um, were there, did other things kind of come through that, or what kind of happened? Like, where, like... Well, Tartarelena got a, a very good review. I wrote it. Oh, you wrote yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Coming from inside the house. Um, I, f I actually don't remember if this ever happened, but I know that there was talk internally at Pitchfork of doing a, um, I, there's like a, a, a Sunday, every Sunday there's a Sunday review with that reviews records that usually from further away than 10 years, but review records that weren't reviewed by the site, um, either because the site didn't exist or it was an oversight. And I know there was a conversation about uh, doing Rosalia's first album. I don't think that ever happened though. Um, I think that well, apparently, <laughs> apparently the critics who are writing about the music are <laughs> right here with us doing the, the work from within. <laughs> um, I think that, I, th I think something that really benefits that sort of writing is to work with people who are very familiar with the scene, someone like Philip or someone like you. And I think that's something that a lot of uh, music publications should do more to kind of plant those seeds, find those freelancers, and not just with Catalan music, but all sorts of music, um, you know. You want you want a hip hop writer who knows what they're talking about, not yeah. just because they've only list they, not just because their Spotify catalog is really deep, but because they go to shows and, you know. There, there was a very interesting review of Noya, um, Noya. Pitchfork recently. So it talked a lot about her, you know, Catalan. The, the whole kind of thing about the review was like basically talking about how she sung in Catalan, how she reinterpreted a Catalan song. Um, and I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think people maybe don't quite get the subtleties of the relationship between Catalonia and Spain, the fact they do have different languages and that kind of thing, but they're, they're interested, right? Like, yeah, well, I remember that was, a, you know, what you were saying earlier about the Rosalia of it all. I think that was, that was also an important learning lesson of, uh, you know, Philip being like, there are these distinctions. We have to be very careful about how we recognize them and I think that is why it's especially important to have a critic who is aware of that and isn't kind of just writing on a more superficial level and also you know especially if the writer is introducing these people to an American audience why not give them the most nuanced uh, take in a digestible way right so then 
you're not just like kind of whitewashing. That's not the right term, but you know, just kind of like yeah. painting a broad image. You can give some uh, education. The other thing I was going to ask is like, obviously, New York's a very traditional place for um, musicians to try to make it uh, in the US. Obviously, it's like they're the first kind of place they'll try. Is it worth trying other places? I mean, do you think like um, you're from Florida? Um, I mean, would a an artist get a lot of traction if they started out, if they made like a big, big effort down in, in I don't know, Tampa Bay or something like that? My <laughs> knowledge of Florida is, is, is not good, but... Uh, Florida, Florida's a tough, uh, tough place to break through, I would say. Um, especially because the part of Florida I'm from in the Panhandle, there's not a lot of bands come through uh, on their tours, but I think that there are a lot of really good emerging regional scenes. I know Pittsburgh has a really big music scene right now. Um, I think, especially because New York is so expensive, that it does benefit people to look elsewhere. Obviously, you know, if you're an artist, you want to go to a place that has an artistic community, so you're not just twiddling your thumbs. But also, I mean, an artist like Ethel Kane, who's really popular, she, she, I guess she actually is, is from Florida and Alabama, and she was not really coming out of, I, mean, I know she played in Tallahassee a lot, but I think there is, there is like an extreme sense of like local pride in that case when someone does. But I think there is a huge block of music that's coming from the Northwest and California and then Chicago, like cities. I'd love to see some uh, music from smaller cities. <laughs> and that certainly exists, but. Well, I remember when, you know, when we were talking about those, that, 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 gold, that wonderful decade of the 2000s, uh, the constant conversation when you'd go out partying or, the, you know, hanging out is like, oh, what bands you'd discover? And it was almost like it gave you social cachet to, you know, be down with, oh, there's this new movement in Baltimore where there's these, like, kids mi mixing this, that, the other. You know, if you, if you were on the ground and you knew, as you were saying, not if you weren't, didn't necessarily have to be a music journalist, it was just part of youthful culture, like knowing bands that no one else knew. Does that still happen or, or do people just talk about succession and the idol? It's a lot of talk about succession in the idol, for sure. <laughs> um, I think probably around like music nerds, there is for sure. I'm trying to think, I think in the sense that in New York, going to a concert is something to do um, on your Saturday night or on your Wednesday night, I suppose. Like, yeah. I'm trying to think, I guess, it, I guess I come from a specific uh, point of reference because amongst me and my friends, like, yeah, definitely. But I think that's why, you know, bands and artists really do, there is like a lot of competition to get press because then you are that person that they read about in the cut and that's not just like the music nerds, that that's like a general audience of people mm. who are also wanting to, you know, read about fashion or uh, whatever. I love the cut. <laughs> I hope they respond to my emails. Um, <laughs> shout out. But yeah, no, I think, I think also the accessibility is like obviously a really good thing, but now it's maybe even so commonplace or just like, I don't know, there's an artist blowing up on TikTok. You're just being kind of bombarded with it all the time. Like, do you even need to talk about it yeah. when it's clear that everyone knows about it? I don't know. I think media literacy is in a bad place right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's 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 the great war. We notice it. You know, uh, we have uh, a very prestigious music, Spanish music uh, magazine in house. So we say in Primavera Sound, Rock Deluxe. 
And Rock Deluxe, you know, that's how it would work. They would talk about bands, put them on the cover, then audiences would want to see those bands and they would play festivals like Primavera Sound and and you know that that was it was retro uh, retro feeding itself you know there was this network but now that it's good or bad you know that that people can access music through TikTok through seeing someone talking about oh look at my shoe collection and there's this song by some Russian post-punk band in the background and the cool thing is that you actually see the link to the band's song on Spotify or Tidal it, it's an interesting place for, for young artists to break out and, and co-opting their music in that way. But yeah, uh, Ben and I, are, we grew up collecting music magazines and, and going to the kiosk every month. And, and it, it's, well, it's like you know, being a, an old person missing the, radio, the days of radio and, and stuff like that. The days of radio still exist. Yeah, yeah. well, it's now podcasting, Ben. It's not. <laughs> um, our time is coming to a close. No. I've got a closing question for Quinn. Does anybody else want? Have a question? Go ahead. Okay, when you came to Primavera Sound in Barcelona in 2018? I think so, yes. Yes, 18. Uh, did you manage to catch many local bands there? What was your experience of Barcelona as a place and music and that kind of thing? Oh, gosh. It was a really long... It feels like a really long time ago. Uh, I loved the festival. I, I think it set a really high bar for me personally as, like... I don't want to go to a festival unless it's as great as Primavera. Mm. Um, I remember catching Carol G, I think. Mm. Did, did Carol? No, no, no. Bad Gal. Oh, Bad Gal was in your review, yeah. Yeah, she's Catalan. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> Carol G is definitely was not playing at Primavera in 2018. Um, I remember, like, I wasn't particularly familiar with her music at the time, but I remember the audience's energy was, like, so infectious in this way that... I think um, I think Primavera does a really good job of bringing artists from all over. I mean, the list of artists that are playing is always so long. <laughs> like the font gets so small. Um, and I think that you know New York festivals do a somewhat decent job on that, but the scale is so different. Um, I really want to go back to Barcelona because I felt like when I was there, I. I got to see some of the city, but not as much as I would love to, because it was it was beautiful, and just like the the museums were incredible, the skateboarders were incredible. <laughs> I loved watching the skateboarders. Um, I don't. I honestly don't remember though. I felt like I saw so much, because there are so many opportunities. I'd love to like go to a an actual show unrelated to the festival too check well, that out the fact that the one you remember is Bad Gal it's like a lot of hope for, for Catalan acts because <laughs> if you go to Primavera Sound that has a thousand acts and the one that came to your mind is Bad Gal maybe someone will come to summer stage and be like oh I remember that summer in New York I saw um, Canal Laos this is the only thing I can remember from that summer so that's amazing to know <laughs> so uh, our time has sadly come to an end we're going to end with a song Right, I've got uh, four possibilities. Okay, obviously I got um, by the four, uh, the the three bands playing tonight, or I've got Rosalia song. Where, where, where do we I go? I think we have to. Well, people are gonna listen to the bands later because they're staying for the bands. Um, but I don't know. Surprises. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for coming. Thanks for having us here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Do stick around for... Uh, Kerat Daoz, Marala, Lia Kali, and DJ Trapella. Trapilla. 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 <laughs> and, oh, let's see, okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go, DJ. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Trapilla.